Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Who you know fresher than whole? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking, yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap. It's like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young H.O. Raps great for dead. Back to take over the globe. Now break Welcome back to Miami Nice, the podcast about Miami Vice, the 2006 Michael Mann film. Thank you very much. I'm Katie Walsh. We've been on a little bit of a sojourn to Tokyo. We've been in other parts of the world, but we're back. We're back in Miami, and we're going to be exploring all of the Caribbean and South America once again. I am back with my delightful co-host Blake Howard. Blake, how are you? Oh, Katie. Can I just say, I'm so glad we get our tan in Miami. I've missed Miami Vice so much. I know. It's Absence so make the heart grow stronger, yeah. grow fonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so nice to be back. No, Tokyo Tokyo Vice has been super fun. We've got one more episode to go. Um, we're just lining up the finale there because we've had a couple of people that we're, we wanted to talk to along the way. It's been a chaotic couple of months. And we've had this kind of episode here, this little, uh, uh, what we've called the dossier episode for about, I don't know, two months, um, uh, from <laughs> like one of our great listeners has gone and done a deep dive on some threads and tendrils and, and things. And we've even got some voice memos for him that we're going to, we're going to play on the show, but I'm, I'm just so glad to be back because it's just, I don't know. We have a special relationship with this movie. I, there's no other way, to, there's no other way to describe it. It's like stepping off the plane and getting that first humidity blast in your face. Yes. When you oh, land in Miami. It's good. <laughs> it's so hot. Or parts south. So uh, this is going to be fun. I'm really excited to dive into the dossier um, from our listener, CK. Yeah. So we, and now for all you Miami nice heads out there, please mail at oneheatminute.com. There is a there is so much joy that we find from that email inbox. All of the amazing and ludicrous interviews that we've suddenly gotten on this show usually pop up from people who've listened to the show and they like tag us into a thread or tell someone about the show and then they eventually email us. So or we, comment on YouTube or one random <laughs> <laughs> one random YouTube comment. Um, but CK who has been following along, listening to our deep dive podcast into it. Big fan of Miami nice. And then started anything that just says this, sorry, one more thing worth mentioning. Here's the most authoritative list I could find of Miami vice excised subplots. And when you say that we get excited. And what I mm-hmm. get even more excited about, it wasn't just linked on a word. You know, you can hyperlink a word. When you see moviechat.org, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. What rabbit hole are we going down? Posted so, nine years ago. Nine years ago. We've Posted not- nine years ago by the intrepid reporters at Movie 
chat.org jawsfan007 shout out to oh. this poster it's so jawsfan007 bless you you know you're you know for everyone who's may have been following me for a long time everyone knows that Blake is Batman used to be my, uh, my Twitter handle as it was one of my email addresses that, uh, I thought was the coolest thing in 2001. And, um, so, you know, shout out to anyone who decided what their posting name was 20 years ago. Yeah. And also I'm looking at this right now. And so JawsFan007 posted nine years ago, but the replies a year ago, this is a nine year long thread that mm. is like almost still active <laughs> yeah and it's I, I have to say if you are rockstone 89 or dr orc 1970 or luke sisiak i hope you're listening because um we've been doing this show for some time and these are the names that i can see of people who are the most active uh, in, in all of the, all of the people that we're talking to, all of the people that are posting here. Also like JawsFan007, mail at one heat minute. Let's get this <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> Let's get it going, my friend. You can use now, the alias. We are happy to use alias, alii on here. Man facts. <laughs> if, if you need to be anonymous, hashtag man facts. Yes. If you need to be anonymous, you, you can be. Now, JawsFan007 writes, besides the director's cut, does anyone know what else was deleted? Earlier reviews brought up a shootout in a trailer park instead of the standoff. Some promo photos shows Tubbs firing his shotgun outside the trailer and Sonny using cover and firing his machine gun. Early trailers show a man with a bag on his head too. I read somewhere that the bag head is actually Neptune. Sonny and, Cro Cro Sonny and Crockett kidnap him and turn him over to the drug dealers, or Neptune is in fact the person who tried to jack them and they capture and hand him over, saying Neptune will have his day. Does anyone know if anything else was missing or was that just promo stuff? And I'm like, that's very, very interesting. Yes, it is very interesting. And you know what? I do think, I want to know actually, okay, JawsFan007, like, let us know, but also... Luke Sisiak seems to be the mm. man on the inside. And I wonder if he, it seems like he may have been at the test screening in this thread. He references a three plus plus hour test screening, <laughs> which okay. I'm like, what does three plus plus mean? Luke Sisiak again, nine years ago. I'm looking this right. guy up. The whole Neptune thing was a major subplot that unfortunately got chopped out. It all begins at the race. Then he goes to the nightclub, then drugs, then he finally gets caught. I've heard somewhere there was actual footage of kidnapping Neptune. Yes, there was a shootout in the trailer park. Some claim it was actually better than the final battle. There was an extra bit on Tubbs' relationship, which we now know. Um, we get that extra stuff in the director's cut. Extra scenes showing Crockett and Tubbs driving at night. Uh, not many of them in the Miami Nice Cut. And then extra scenes with Eze uh, Isabella and Crockett on the boat. Again, that's all I can recall now. It's been seven years since I read about all this stuff. And then he says, 
about the extra stuff. It's all true. You can see bits and pieces of those missing scenes and trailers and promo stills. I also read the early test screening reviews. Some people claimed that the sting operation where Neptune is caught was one of the movie's best scenes. And the missing alternative shootout in the trailer park was awesome. Test screening version. Now, this is actually the moment that I'm like, not only do I love our listeners, but I love CK so much for like bringing this up. As you said, test screening version. Nearly three hours in length. This guy then throws some shade at Michael Mann, which I'm not even going to quote. But the, <laughs> the the director's cut is definitely an improvement. They're, they're now sort of debating about what um, what's going on there, what's happening, uh, you know, what could have been better. So that's nine years ago. And then it essentially goes quiet for seven years. And then two years ago... There's even more stuff. And we get an exchange between Dr. Orc 1970 and Rockstone. Yeah. Maybe I thought, okay, maybe I got this mixed up and that. Luke Siziak, but Rockstone, Rockstone seem, seems to be. I the think guy. is the one who was at the three plus plus hour screening version. Um, Luke is just reporting this. And by the way, I have something to report. I've done my own reporting in one second. I will tell you Dr. Orc 1970, two years ago. You know, I can't seem to recall where I read this at, but I seem to recall reading that at the very last scene was supposed to be Sonny laying on his side in bed, wide awake with his wife's arm, giant alarm bells going off, draped over his side. You can't see her or her face. And she says something to Sonny about being gone and undercover for too long. This happens after the hospital. It's supposed to show you that's how deep he was undercover. I don't know if I believe it or not because he didn't show any concern about a family when Trudy was making up his identity, but man, that would have blown my mind. So that's, that's huge. That changes that's a so bombshell. much. Yes. It's a it's bombshell. A whole, that's huge. <laughs> because what we love about this movie is the romance between um, Crockett and Isabella. And I think that would have completely not ruined the romance, but it would have given it a completely different shade. And maybe it puts it a whole spin on it. It puts a whole spin on how lost he is because the thing that is so awesome about Crockett for both of us is that he's so rudderless and he's so lost that when Isabella comes into his life, even though it's in the most chaotic thing, a chaotic situation as possible, that they find this it gives know, him sanity and this gravity yeah right it gives him a grounded moment yes yeah so that i think that would i mean i'm glad they cut that or didn't include it but i don't like it i don't I, like I, it either i mean i it's this is some this is one thing that not every director's cut you know some people say all director's cuts are bad you know i think it was recently that you know uh a man that we don't mention on this show uh, very often because it, it's not relevant, but he's uh, quite a contentious character. Mr. Taika Waititi recently said, I don't believe in director's cuts. Now, um, look, all of the international listeners, if you just go back and watch Taika Waititi's film, Boy, which is maybe one of the best films I think I've ever seen, and if you watch Hunt for the Wilder People, it's a different Taika Waititi than the guy that later makes Jojo Rabbit and the Thor movies. Yeah. As much as people might say it's completely him. Watch Boy and you'll understand why 
us Antipodeans, us, uh, us, us people about down here in the colonies really like him. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll still sort of defend him broadly. Right. But I don't prescribe to that vision because otherwise you'll never get Blade Runner. You know, like the Blade Runner that now everyone assumes is the Blade Runner. Like, like director's cuts, some directors, especially like Sam Peckinpah and things like that, they get their movies stolen from them halfway through. They abandon mm-hmm. the movies, you know. They're not all the best. I, I, I like them... And here on Miami Nice, we celebrate like multiple versions just because it's more of the thing that we love. As long as we get the multiple versions, we're happy. Right. And like you and and to call back to another podcast, like you and Jordan were talking about this on your rum and rant yeah. about yes. how you guys were like, just give us all the versions. Like I want all the yes. versions. <laughs> I want all the versions. I, I If there are three versions, I want them all. There's like... And this is what I would say. One filmmaker is doing it absolutely the best right now, like out of everyone. And thank God for his wine for kind of making him a movie mogul again. But it's Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. There's a version of Apocalypse Now that has Apocalypse Now the theatrical cut, Apocalypse Now Redux, Apocalypse Now the final cut, and then the documentary Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse. It has all of that. You can buy it. It's like 50 bucks on Amazon.com. And it's like, if you're a fan of that movie, there is no greater like single cinematic experience to watch the evolution of a director's relationship to a movie than that because you can see the chaos on set you can see the original theatrical cut which is a miracle you can see him tinkering and wanting to make a different kind of story with uh with with redux and then you can see him kind of like contracting his view going back i love that i love that evolution and uh so yeah like i and and even with like the three versions of ali that exist they don't exist on one pack like, it's so annoying. Like, let's mm-hmm. just get all the Michael Mann Ali versions, name them different things, put them out. <laughs> yeah, put them in a box set. I mean, the thing is, like, I think that what we enjoy about these different cuts is, like, seeing how the story changes, seeing how, you know, maybe the theatrical version is better because it's got a better pace or it's, like, works, you know, in a different way. And, and but you know, there's there's some fun to be fa- found in comparing the visions of different yes. cuts. So I th- and the and the big one is, Sunny is so like perfectly straddling an insider and outsider in his own crew, because he has he seems like he's farther off the deep end than anyone else, but he's closer to them in any way. And then when he meets Isabella, that's his like grounding and anchor. And of course that guy is going to find his anchor in the most chaotic situation, right? So if, he, if he's if he's like abandoned his home life, it just doesn't feel like it works. It doesn't feel like, for me, that would just, yeah, jeopardizes the whole character. But it's a fascinating thought, right? Like they film it and then they they ha- almost have to see it to go, no, nah, this doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. if that was, if that's true, that would be amazing. Yeah. All right. So because CK has been our man on the ground with all of these let's just before we dive into each of them let's talk uh let's get a little note from him specifically about the neptune subplot another interesting aspect of the film that actually did have some footage shot was the kidnapping of neptune the pimp showed at the beginning of the film in the theatrical cut we go straight into the club scene whereas the director's cut shows us a boat race meant to introduce us to neptune in the original story it goes something like this we have the boat scene we have the club scene and then Crockett and Tubbs pose as Haitians while stealing Hero's load. This is actually shown in both cuts of the film. The group then leaks where the load is, causing Neptune to come by and try to find it. Instead, they are ambushed by Crockett and Tubbs, resulting in a shootout that has been described in one of the test screenings as the best part of the film. 
Neptune is then kidnapped and handed over to Euro in the same scene where we see them showing him his recovered load. Euro remarks in the film, Patience stole this a few weeks ago. There's actually a TV spot that shows this footage, and it would have driven the story to completion. Instead, all we did get in the film was a cryptic remark by Crockett saying something like, Neptune's day will come. We've been talking about this ending of Miami Vice uh, with Crockett being a husband and having an arm draped over him. So let's hear from our guy on the ground, CK, again, uh, with the original ending and uh, his thoughts. The 2006 Miami Vice adaptation is a fascinating example of what if with regard to many aspects of the film that didn't make into other theatrical or DVD releases. The original finale in particular has been something that's been described in vague terms. Michael Madsen, in a career retrospective at BAM, that it was supposed to be a gonzo off-reservation mission to rescue Isabella. In Kim Masters' Salon article, Fleeing the Scene, the original ending was described by crew members as much more dramatic. And in an entertainment weekly making of, it talked about all the effort that went into the original ending, including procuring hundreds of guns and ammo for a place that had ties to terrorist groups like Hamas. To be clear, this is Sudodad de Oste, which is at the triple frontier border of Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay. Per the article, the plan had been a shoot for a few days in a local mall, and then for three weeks in an abandoned building outside of town, where they filmed a climactic gun battle that was set to rival the finale of Heat in Scope and Ambition. Man himself has said in multiple situations that he's not happy with the film. In an interview with Vulture, he said that he recognizes the ambition of the film, but the film didn't fulfill the ambition because he couldn't shoot the original ending. In the 2005 French book The Horizon of Michael Mann, he states that the film wasn't as good as it could have been because they couldn't shoot the original ending, which would have completed Sonny Crockett's journey. He also mentioned that although he wouldn't make any changes to Heat, Collateral, or The Insider, he's still frustrated at what happened with Miami Vice. Unfortunately, the idea of the massive shooter at that triple front location is all we know about the original draft of the screenplay does have a shootout but it's not similar to this and before we get to the full list here is ck with some more deleted footage unfortunately none of this info can be corroborated officially and it's mostly spun up from test screening reports as man reportedly rewrote the film as he went along it's hard to track these down in a script format one website moviechat.org has a collection of folks describing their recollections of footage cut from the film either from first-hand accounts or from test screening reports. One of these is that the original rescue of Trudy was supposed to be midway through the film and have a really intense shootout that was better than the filmed ending and almost better than the shootout in Heat. This was supposed to take place in the rain and have different footage, including that shootout. Some of the test screenings were nearly three hours or longer and also included other excised scenes like Alonzo flashbacks and scenes that take place in Haiti. Once again, these can neither be found in the theatrical or DVD versions, which is the director's cut. One of the most extreme things I read is that the original ending actually had Crockett waking up next to his wife, who mentions that he had been undercover for a long time. One of the producers said this was excised because it would have made him an unfaithful husband rather than a hero cop. And so the test screens ended up with the version we saw in the theatrical and director's versions. I think what's really interesting about this is Man has actually said one of his favorite lines in the show is someone asked Crockett if he ever forgets who he is, and he retorts, Lady, sometimes I wake up and remember who I am. Apparently there is a 4K disc of this film on the works. I really hope that we get some of the footage that we didn't see in either the theatrical or director's cut. Knowing man's penchant for revisiting his films, I think there's a strong possibility that we do see this. One can only hope. Uh, it says, missing from the theatrical release and director's cut. And it's just a list. Extended race sequence. Extended club sequence. Extended Neptune subplot. Extended Alonzo Stevens sequence, including flashbacks extended oh port-au-prince slash different takes 
longer diner sequence with Sonny Crockett, Ricardo Tubbs, Trudy Joplin. Longer load one and two vessel sequence. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You just found the name for the episode. <laughs> Remember in the in the group ch- in the in the live stream oh when we I was like drink every time someone says loads and then like halfway oh. through I was like abort abort <laughs> do not drink when someone says loads I the was Miami like not, genuinely the Miami concerned <laughs> the Miami Nice Cut uh, live show was one of the best things we've ever done and we're gonna we're, we're definitely gonna talk about an upcoming yes. one we've got but my God that 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 like duty of care katie that took over halfway through that chat when people were just getting looser and looser i'm like stop stop drinking when they say loads this must end i'm gonna have to like be calling ambulances to various cities around the states (laughs) anyway um okay longer load number one and number two missile sequence (laughs) okay we're gonna have merch that says that We're so stupid, Blake. Oh my God. I love this show. I love this show. This is the funnest. Oh my God. Okay. We have to I keep... love this movie. How good is this movie? I know. It's great. It's a it's fucking great. treasure trove. It's a treasure trove. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Longer oh tr- Trudy Joplin kidnap sequence. Mm. Longer Paradise Trailer Park sequence shot in a different location. Also, it's raining. Ooh. Longer shootout and dialogue at the end. Longer Key West sequence. Same ending as theatrical release. This is too many extended sequences. I'm sorry. We can't have all of this. We have to pick one. <laughs> the Sunny <laughs> The Sunny Crockett returning home to his wife was not in the three plus plus hours screening version. I recall Peter Jan Bruga. He's the producer of Miami Vice and a lot of um Michael Mann films mentioned something about this claiming Crockett was deemed an unfaithful husband after uh, rather than a hero cop in the Q&A. First of all, I don't think Sonny comes off as a hero cop, but no, whatever. I don't think anyone comes out. I don't think anyone comes out as heroes in this. Right. Because at, at the end of the day, Archangel de Jesus Montoya just leaves an empty house and he goes off and he just disappears. He ghosts everyone. And one tiny cell in his operation, which is... Jose Yiro, who's already a bit of a wild man, number one. He's a gotcha loco. Um, and and just this tiny little, you know, uh, satellite Aryan Brotherhood crew that in Miami, one tiny wrinkle in his entire operation is just like gone. It's extinguished. And it feels that's what's so great. The the devastation of like how much did we actually change and how much did we put on the line to change it? It's one of the great enduring, like Michael Mann quandaries here, their professionalism, they're trying to take them out, but everyone knows that they have to get back to work. It's not like the universe is over. That's the beautiful choice of Sonny just walking straight back into the, straight back to the hospital with Trudy. It's like, we've got to go and just check if she's okay. And the assumption is we're all going to get back to work. Right. There's like a bleakness to it, to to Miami Vice, which I think is what makes it such a interesting, challenging action movie about undercover cops in Miami. Um, anyway, so then we have Dr. Ork who says, thanks, would love to see those missing scenes at some point. And then Luke Sizyak, who we do have, I'm gonna tag on this. 
Did not know. I've been covering missing scenes from Miami Vice for ages now. Did not know anything about any extended Alonzo Stevens sequence, including flashbacks, extended Port-au-Prince, different takes, longer diner sequence, longer kidnap sequence. I knew about longer Paradise trailer park sequence. Did not realize it was shot in a different location and in rain. Um, as for Neptune, there he is. And then he links a link to Trailer Addict. It's a TV spot. I did watch it. And there's... We're going to... Let's play that. Oh my god! I think there was like it was like a car car accident, car accident outside. <laughs> it's Neptune. <laughs> um, it's, sorry, it's sunny, coming in hot. All right, let's let's listen to the Neptune trailer. What Katie and I will do is, um, we might watch this together, and then. Um, uh, and you guys can listen along, but we'll make sure that you guys have got it available so that we can actually watch it. Because I think that this is, this is one of those things that, you know, we get obsessed with of like, what are the bits that we actually can see that are extras that are out there? Um, and, and, um, Werner Herzog used to say like, you know, he is like a sculptor doesn't release his shavings, you know? So we, we get, we get the shavings of Miami Vice in this TV spot. So let's have a watch of that and then we'll come back to it. There's undercover and then there is which way is up? Neptune. Neptune. the world we know. These guys kill everything. You're all yes. mine now. Neptune, baghead. Crime and violence. They said they wouldn't hurt her. They lied. On July 28th. Here we go. From the director of Collateral. Hold it! And heat. You afraid of violence? Violence is real expensive. Miami Vice, rated R, in theaters July 28th. It's a cool trailer. I think it looks cool. <laughs> That's a cool TV spot. Now, the the the. I really forgot that we and we haven't really talked about this. I really forgot the whole "Are you afraid of violence?" Mm. note from there, and violence is expensive because that was such a like. Definitely a TV spot that came to Australia. That's a line from Jose Yira and then the responses from Tubbs. But it's like, if you're watching this trailer of this little TV spot, it only goes for 31 seconds. Um, the, the bag head, which potentially could be Neptune, literally comes in at like the fourth, fifth, sixth seconds of this thing. And then it, and then it moves on. And so then we have some other, even this Jose Yira, there's a Jose Yira here at about nine seconds where he's sitting at a dinner table. That looks like a different scene shot maybe it was shot you know uh shot somewhere else or shot multiple mm -hmm. times because they weren't happy with it then um, there's another yeah. bag hat oh wait oh that's oh, not no, neptune that, who is that that's not neptune that is in when they rob um when they pretend to be the haitians oh okay okay so so that's that's at 10 seconds and we see the the, the people there and they okay. look like again it looks like another heist um going and most of the oh there's actually so is it just that shot of neptune in the beginning Really, yeah, I'm just going back and seeing. And then there's that 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 line of you're afraid of violence and then violence is expensive, which is in the um the in the Port au Prince scene that is slightly different. So it's a really interesting one because it does like I don't know if uh, this is a hard thing to say, or not a hard thing to say, but like a, an interesting take is like I don't ever think of the Neptune plot is like unrealized i just think of it as like almost like in james bond movies how and and this is it sometimes happens in james bond movies like this and sometimes it they they carry on with it or they don't which is 
usually when you're dropped in situ media res of a James, like a classic James Bond movie, he's in the middle of something, some other heist, right? And like, let's, you know, talking about a James Bond movie that I'm assuming that every single person in the world has seen is like Skyfall. At the beginning, it's Bond hunting down this guy because he has a list of undercover agents for Anton Chigurh slash um, <laughs> Javier Bardem's bad character. I call him Anton Chigurh in every yeah, movie now. Even like, though wait that's a minute, Anton Chigurh. <laughs> No even country. though it's even even though it's no country name, but it's like Anton Chigurh slash the bad guy, the you know, um, in in Skyfall, but that's an example where you you see him in the middle of a mission and then he gets shot by our lovely Trudy, um, Money Penny in this in in Skyfall, and then he goes away and then he comes back, and that is connected right that first mission and the main mission and in a lot of bond movies they do that like it doesn't feel like it's connected and then it eventually is connected mm -hmm. but i don't i've never thought of that as like oh neptune plot goes nowhere i'm like no it's their mission that they're in right then right and then and then they get the pulled stuff, off to the other get yeah. pulled off because there's something they've got a bigger fish than one pimp and then they know? and they say it's neptune's lucky night yes Cause he, uh, you know, cause they're not going to bust him that night, but it is funny. Cause I, you're, you're exactly right. I've never thought, oh, this Neptune plot really feels unfinished until I read this thread on moviechat.org. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I guess the Neptune thread doesn't go anywhere. Um, yeah. but, but I think, I think that that's a, p a perspective thing. No, but it, I'm like it's kind of like a testament to the movie that you get so wrapped up in what else is going on. Yes. Yeah. And you just know that they're in the middle of this chaotic situation. It happens. And then it's gone. Like you don't, I, 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 I think the thing you can, with all of the uncertainty and all of the chaos that happens in Miami Vice, the thing that you can actually be most certain of at the end is that like someone as small as Neptune is very easy for these guys now. Right. You know? Like it, it is interesting because it's like, Isaac de Boncole is, you know, a great actor, a great actor and like a great pretty actor. big star in the international film scene. But, um, you know, you wouldn't cast him if he wasn't going to be a bigger part. Yeah. Well, he he kind of well, speaking of James Bond, Isaac de Boncole is in Casino Royale. Royale. Yeah. And he's in Black and Panther. Yeah, and he has that great scene where he hunts down Mads Mikkelsen mm -hmm. um, in 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 the movie as Le Chiffre because he takes his money. He goes, "Where's my money?" And then that amazing descending stair fight with Bond and uh, Isaac de Boncole's like uh, henchmen and things like that all unfolds in in uh, the Casino Royale, like in between hands at the poker table. It's one of the best signature, probably uh, you know, uh, action sequences of that entire movie. Mm -hmm. It's f phenomenal. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I've always, I mean, when you look at this terrific cast and just how many, like, diverse and wonderful actors are across it, I, I never thought, oh, God, it's so unrealized. I'm like, you know what? This is actually just awesome. It's just, you know, it's just right. another part of the tapestry of these great people that they picked a terrific actor to give it some genuine, I don't know, gravitas right. for a tiny role. Right, exactly. But you can also see on the flip side that it would have been nice to have him, you know, come back and be, have a bigger part. But... It is great to just see him in 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 the parts that we do see him, but it, yeah, it's a, it's just it's an interesting thing. But yeah, I I mean I get so wrapped up in the Isabella Jose Yero, 
uh, you know, situation because those actors are so compelling that I don't necessarily feel like, oh, we got to go back and figure out what's going on with Neptune. I want to talk about a trick that someone as smart as Michael Mann does, and maybe it's because he's, uh, he commands this as a big director. And I think a lot of our favorite movies that like came from the nineties and things like that, and just great movies in general, they do this. Coen brothers movies do it to a perfection. You cast the living shit out of your movie. Yes. So every role, no matter how small it is, usually has a phenomenal actor. And big directors get this all the time. So, you know, Tarantino, people are clawing all over themselves for one line in a Tarantino yeah. movie just to, to work with him, etc. Coen Brothers, as I said, effortlessly do this. Michael Mann does it. Because one thing that happens, and I'll just say this about Australian TV. I'm not going to say what, what Australian TV, but just all low-budget TV. If there's ever a huge actor that's cast in what seemingly is a pretty small role, that's the bad guy. <laughs> you know I mean? Yes, exactly. exactly. If you're watching a stupid mystery and like you're like, wow, look, he's back. I haven't seen him in years. That's the fucking bad guy, guys. It's so, it's like, oh, look, 20 actors I don't know, and then one guy, and you're like, oh, look at that huge actor that they got. Great. It, I totally feel like that's the Law and Order premise. The like. Law and Order premise. <laughs> dun dun! It, like seriously, it's so annoying, right? And yeah, so exactly. What I think when I watch this, the thing that I love about it is that uh, is actor Bancole could be a huge thing, and it is this little moment where you're like. You're, you actually get enthralled and fascinated. Like, I want to see these guys take him down. So when they get pulled away from it, it's something that itches. It's like, it's that lack of resolution. And I, so, I sort of get that. But I also hate, and it happens in Australian TV all the time. It's like, I also hate that, like, you get like five or six top line actors. And there's a lot of phenomenal character actors who've done a lot of work in Oz TV. But like, the biggest name is usually the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, oh, that's going to be the bad guy. Right. Like, oh, why is he doing this thankless three-line role in episode <laughs> one of a six-episode series? I'm like, oh, no, he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. And it's so annoying how right I am about that. And yeah. I'm sorry if I put that in your head because I've just broken most <laughs> most mystery television for you in your, in your region in it, the world. It was already broken. Don't worry. Oh, it's not your fault. God. Yeah. Um. Oh, I just want to mention really quickly. So speaking of our Luke Ciziak our mm. our fellow who's on moviechat.org so i just googled him mm. and i found his twitter and oh. he has tweeted at both of us has he yes Luke. he doesn't follow me and he doesn't i don't know if he follows you but on august 1st 2021 he tweeted at me to have the editor william goldenberg on to talk about the deleted scenes and then on January 9th of this year, he tweeted at you and says, why don't you talk about the deleted scenes? That's, that's him. Yes. Why don't you talk about the deleted scenes? Great podcast. Goldenberg, those deleted footage. That would be great. We're you know doing what, it. We're doing it, Luke. We are, this, this, you manifested it. This is us doing it. And I, one of the things I would say to Luke is, um, what Katie and I try and do with Miami Vice, obviously, is talk about what's there. Right. And when we've had some people who have talked to, whether it's on or off air, and usually it starts out in a conversation that's happening off air for several weeks or a month or something like that off air, 
we ask these questions and if they're like, no, I don't have anything or no, I didn't see this. And for example, Justin Lieberman, who was one of our favorite recent conversations an assistant, you know, to, to Michael Mann during this time and during collateral, which is like insane for Katie and I, mm-hmm. it's, he's like, no, there's not much extra footage. There's not much. He had a dossier. He had research folders yes, full of stuff. His PDF and, that we like salivate over. <laughs> yeah. Like, like th- those things. So what we what we try and do is like although that these are rumored things and again mail at one heat minute if anyone is listening if you have this footage if you know where it is and it's not just in some random tv spot but if you have it and and look these guys have done some deep diving so we got to we got to thank our intrepid reporters who are on on um on moviechat.org for actually finding at least that baghead neptune and that line reading in that tv spot because they're terrific but like we want to see the footage I know we because the, see it. the thing is like, we've got this list from Rockstone. Yes. Extended loads sequence, but <laughs> <laughs> we got to take this with a grain of salt. We don't know who this yeah. is. He, we don't know who Rockstone he is. He doesn't know that there's an extended Alonzo sequence, including flashbacks. I need the receipts. Yeah. We need the receipts. I, I think like, that's what we don't, we, we don't just want to like throw out what the rumors are without trying to find them. Like part of, you know, besides the fact that we're completely ridiculous, Katie and I are broadly described as movie journalists. <laughs> Loosely. Loose. So, <laughs> so loose. Right. And, and so if, if we can find them and, and we can see these scenes or see them in any way, shape or form, um, we will. And, and we can commit to you guys on that. But, but yeah, so this is just an interesting one, right? Cause some people have, and, and, and this is something that is a phenomenon that happens mostly in your town, Katie, in LA of like test screenings that go out. And there was a whole, like, I think, you know, for people who've been on the internet for a long time and been engaging with movies for a really long time, like this was the bread and butter of places of sites that existed early on in the, in the sort of early movie news days of like, ain't it cool and stuff, because they would report on test screenings and test screening footage and, actors and changes and and people were used to get fascinated and like hooked in by like oh i can see the evolution and i I get a little bit more information about how the sausage is made as far as some of the films that you know that i'm interested in that i like um but it's you know that that must happen all the time you you must occasionally get invited to test screenings or get an opportunity to see stuff in a test screening but i don't think test screenings are really your bag though we've never really talked about it early on i would go to test screenings. Like when I was writing for the playlist and I wasn't really like a, I had just moved to LA and my um, editor Rodrigo at the playlist would be like, go to this test screening and, and tell me what your thoughts are. But I don't get invited to them anymore. I think because, you know, I, I am a critic and they don't want critics going to test screenings. Um, I do go to some kind of like early toe dipped kind of things. And I, I, I'm, I like sign NDAs. So I can't talk about yeah. it, but um uh, I can tell you when we stop recording. Um, but yeah, I mean, but like, the, but they, I mean, they don't, I don't know. It, it's like, it's a, like a test screening is like, they want an audience. They don't want a critic. And then there are other yeah. kinds of screenings where they do want critics and they want to see what people with the critical reaction will be. So um, yeah, I mean, I've done a little bit of it, but not, not a ton, but there are people who go to like all of them and like get on those yeah. email lists and like, are that's kind of their hobby of of going to test screenings and and seeing stuff early and and giving feedback so yeah yeah i i think it's a really hard one it's almost like i think in your position now katie and this you know um we're lucky that we both have 
you know, and differently both have like different friends who are filmmakers and stuff like that. And people who ask for feedback on a script or people who might say, I've got an early cut of the movie, you know, would you be able to watch it? And for as, uh, as far as critical responses, you're like, there's no way I'm reviewing the thing. Cause I've seen it made. Right. I'm not, I'm not objectively, you know, even just like taking an object, objective standpoint to say, I, I went to see this thing and I'm reviewing it. It's harder when you've been asked, like, what do you think about this characterization? What do you think about this? Like, it's, you know, it's like, right. yeah, like, um, and, you know, speaking of our great friend, Jordan Harper, a friend of everything that we do here at One Eight Minute Productions, it's like, I've read three versions of Jordan's current book. Right. Everybody knows. And last one was in a Word document, you know, like, and I love the book. But it's, I can't, it's not an official, this is not an official review, but it's a review and to say, the fucking book is excellent. It's outstanding. And I can't wait to get the final copy. Right. <laughs> feels, excuse me. Feels weird though, because I've, I've been on the you, other side. You've seen, oh, you moved this around. Oh, you changed this, that, the other thing. No, we oh, that version changed from this version. Oh, okay. That got tighter or that chapter was, you know, shaped slightly differently or that character got introduced earlier or whatever the case may be. So you some, you know, when you're seeing that happen, it's kind of weird, but you know, I think if I'm talking about a highlight of this potential list of scenes, mm. um, the one that actually gets me super excited is an Alonzo flashback. I know. I know. I knew you would be on the same page. Yeah. Is it any surprise? Yeah. Like, of course. But I look at that and I'm like, God, that might have, I don't know how they would have integrated it. Yeah. I don't know if that means that the club scene and the way that they get to Alonzo takes longer because they're like driving and then there's a flashback of them with Alonzo or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Or when they're talking to Fajima, there's cuts of them, you know, talking to Alonzo or how they handle right. over. Yeah. But, but I, that's the, in the nicest possible way, that's like the only thing that I'm like truly excited about because in the, in the director's cut, we do get, the diner sequence. And I don't need Sonny in that diner sequence scene with Trudy. I actually no. don't want him in that to be brutally honest. Cause that's where you actually get more tubs and Trudy together. And I like that scene better. Mm -hmm. I like that Sonny's outside and they're having the conversation. Um, but yeah, that, that Alonzo Stevens sequence is the, that, that's just like, Ooh, that sounds like, I mean, even though John Hawks's performance in like three minutes is better than some people do in five movies. Um, yeah, that one actually gets me going. Ooh, I wonder if that actually existed. That would more be John Hawks is always a good thing. Always a good thing. But like, this. I don't need extended race sequence. I'm positive they shot the absolute shit out of that race. Like, they, they yeah. have an entire movie of that race. They could uh. do an hour of that <laughs> race sequence. I know. I don't need extended club sequence. Mm, do I? I'm like, mm. do I need it as a screensaver? <laughs> do i need it as yes. like a ambient uh ambient background video, video? Yeah. yeah i do actually um yeah. i don't need any of this other stuff but the alonzo one it does sound good yes yeah and and i think that moment whatever they were attempting to do maybe trying to be more faithful to the sunny crockett of the tv series who at some point does have a wife and a partner and showing how he does go up and down and dealing with that moral quandary over a season of having a partner and then having to pretend that he's a single man and all that sort of stuff. I think whatever they were trying to do and, and honoring that originally, they were just like, no, we're not. It doesn't, in this condensed version of this story, this, this, this note doesn't work. I also think like if you need to show that 
I think, you know, the point of it is to say, oh, look how far he he gets undercover. And, you know, he, it's like we know he he gets deep and lost in his job because of Colin Farrell's performance. Like we do not need like we said, Colin's not there. We don't we know he gets lost in the sauce like we know yes. that he, um, you know, has a very sort of tenuous relationship to his own identity. Um, when he is working on these things. And uh, I don't think, I, I think like, it's like putting a hat on a hat. You don't need to show us then also, I mean, it, it, first of all, it changes the tenor and the mood and the romantic tone, but like, we don't need another thing that says, look how much he loses himself in the job. We know. Yeah, and, and as we've already established, Colin's not there. Colin's not there. It's no Colin, yeah. there's no, resemblance of Colin. It yeah. is Sonny Crockett. And so the loss, everything about it, like it's hats on hats on hats on hats. It's like, yeah. no, it's, we already feel how lost he is in the character and we already feel how lost Sonny is. And yeah. these wistful musings off into this sublime ocean and feeling rudderless and directionless. And then that's what makes it, that's what like elevates the romance to almost like this intoxicating thing yeah. where you, he finds Trudy, uh, sorry, he, he finds Isabella and it's like, that's something so intoxicating about like, even in the midst of this chaos, I want her. That's just like, oh, yeah, that's really, yeah, that's the deepest tendrils of the romance plots in this movie that just like get their hooks in you. And it's like, you can't imagine trying to then wrangle your head around yet another moral thing that this guy does that isn't exactly moral <laughs> i mean the stakes are not you know the stakes of the isabella romance are so high already because jose Yero is gonna like chop him up into little pieces yes so we already know that it's a bad idea for him yes to pursue this but that he's so taken with this romantic relationship that he will do anything so yeah we don't we don't need more underlining of that i don't think but look, it's so great to be back in Miami with you. It is. Thank you. Thank you, CK, for your amazing dossier. Thank you for your voice memos. Thank you to everyone who listens to and engages with us in emails, online, etc. Luke Sisiak, we will come back to you on Twitter today. I'm following um, him wanna, now. So uh, and and I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm going to follow him too. Um, and we're going to engage with you because, um, if we can ever find any of this footage, we will then dive into it deeper. But I think that this is like to lay it all out there. We wanted to get this dossier of information out. Thanks to CK of like all the people who'd contributed, people who'd been researching it, people who'd found little snippets of it. But until we get anything else, we're not, we're, we're not going to engage with like what potentially happened because we literally now have spoken to all of the authorities on it. And so until we get some firsthand future information, um, maybe from a potential guest in the future, we're just not going to engage with it because for us, the most exciting thing, one of the most exciting things we've done in this entire podcasting process of Miami nice is like our Miami nice cut, you know, actually having the footage that existed playing around with it to give it a slightly different refresh tone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we both are in agreement that our Miami nice cut is the superior cut of the movie. It is. It is. Um, and uh, and so you know if we if we find any of this stuff, 
this is the place that you're going to hear about it, and and we will share with you guys whatever we find. You know um, who would know is um is Bill Ross. Bill Ross would know. <laughs> we we'll reach back out to yeah. Bill. Yeah. Because he would know. Yeah. God, God, Bill's movie. Bloody nose, empty pockets. Bloody nose, empty pockets. God, that movie sticks around with you, doesn't it? Holy shit, that's a great film. Guys, w- listen to our episode with Bill Ross. It was like one of our very early, early episodes. It was really fun. And he he worked at the editing house that cut the trailers. So yes. he might have some intel on the dailies that we haven't seen. But anyway, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Katie, you're the best. You're Guys, the best. thanks for listening. Um you know, this was originally going to be called the Miami Nice Dossier episode, but <laughs> I think it's a longer load sequence. And this has been the longer load sequence. This has been talk to you guys soon. the longer load vessel sequence. <laughs>